Last week we dug deeper, Chris mentioned it, into this series of You Are Here. He said it's such a priority that we recognize we're here to encounter Christ. We're here to, when, when he speaks, when Nathan read Psalm 145 and we heard God's word, it, we are encountering, encountering Christ. He's speaking. When we come to the table, we have uh, the Lord's Supper, we come to the Lord's table, he's the host, we encounter him. It's not just something to check off at the beginning of our week, but we encounter him and we're, we're saying you are here physically, that's true, maybe for a Sunday, maybe for a season. Kind of asking the question, what does God have for you in the fact that you're here right now? But we kind of want to ask it in a bigger way. What does God have for our church? I mean, we're here. Where does God want to take us? And we were evaluating where we are as a church family, but where does God want to take us? Kind of started with the baseline, I don't know, a definition or description. We said Ogletown is this growing family. This growing family who follows Jesus and helps others follow Jesus. It's a, a baseline. We want to be this family that, that we're following Jesus together. We've heard that call, Jesus' first call to follow him, and, and we're following. We recognize it's not just about me and my relationship with Jesus. He's, he's called us to make disciples. We want others to follow as well. Last week we talked about encountering Christ, and this week we want to dig deeper into what it means to experience community. If you have your Bibles, could you take them and turn to John 13? In John 13, most of the time in our Sunday morning teaching time, we take a, a passage of Scripture and we do a deep dive in it. Other times, occasionally, we'll, we'll go through multiple Scriptures, and that's what today's going to be, and they won't be up on the screen, not all of them, a couple of them will be, but I want us to really soak in the message of several of these Scriptures. When we come to John 13, what we realize is Jesus has had followers around him for three, three and a half years, and they've listened to him closely, and he's giving them final instruction. Jesus has dismissed Judas from the upper room, and, and now he begins to really, really pour out his heart of love and compassion and what he desires for the disciples to be. So John chapter 13, we're going to read two verses from this chapter. Verse 34, I would imagine for many this will not be unfamiliar. This will be very familiar. Jesus looks at his disciples, there's Peter and there's James and John and Andrew and Bartholomew and he says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. That would be strong in their mind right then because he had just washed their feet. What might be strong in their mind is he's lived with them three and a half years and just as I have loved you you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another, such basic instruction of Jesus. And it's so important we remind ourselves of this basic instruction of Jesus, a new commandment to love one another. His disciples got this. So you'll find... In 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 3, Peter would share with those that he was writing to, love one another deeply from the heart. Why is he saying that? Because his master, Jesus, had told him, this is what matters. 
You find John, if you go to the, the first letter of John or the second letter of John, you'll find him, I think I counted six times, him saying, love one another. Love one another. Peter and John got this, and, and Paul got this as well. Paul would say in 1 Thessalonians 3, make your love increase and overflow for each other. He'd say in 1 Thessalonians 4, 9, love each other. What other... Whatever our concept is of the early church, we know the leaders of those churches were pushing these believers to love each other. It was baseline for the church. A love that involves this deep commitment. You know, we watch movies. We read novels. I mean, frankly, you can even go to the dictionary and you'll get, in some ways, you'll see beautiful pictures of love, but often you'll see like diminished views of love, diminished definitions of love. Because love involves this deep commitment, and we know that, even if we're entertained by, by things that make it look a lot less complicated. I was reading f- through a book for this week's message, and I came across this like subheading of the book, and it said, love is easy until, and then add dot, dot, dot. And it just it got me to thinking, love is easy, isn't it? Love is easy until a person's a little strange. Not so easy then. Love is easy until someone forgets something that really, really matters to you and you kind of wish they had remembered, but they didn't. Love is easy until someone becomes almost impossible to live with. Love is easy until someone gets in your space. Love is easy until you end up sharing a rental on vacation with them. (laughs) Love is easy until someone becomes annoying or begins to make painful choices. And so for all of what, you know, falling in love and love having everything to do with that, I mean, for all of that talk and lots of Top 40 radio, we'll talk about love, it often kind of minimizes how, how... tough it is and how much it requires of us. And what Jesus gives us is this community of people who are called, who are called to love each other. We call it a community or we call it fellowship, we call it partnership. And what I'd like for us to do today is actually look at those, those one another's because it's as if Jesus speaks the one another and then out of that flows a vast number. I think one search I saw had 59 different one another's in the New Testament. Out of this flows a community. So Jesus starts telling 11, love each other. And out of that flows so much more. Sometime, by the way, sometime it'd be really, really worth your time to do a study of the one another's. These old-fashioned things called concordances that would help you. There's this new thing called Google. You just Google one another's in the New Testament. I'd say your week will improve significantly as you dig into that. There's so much helpful, helpful stuff you can find. One another's in the New Testament. But can we look at what some of those mean? So Jesus says, one another. Love one another. I think one characteristic of true community is, is in those one another's. We experience community when we see relationships that are moving beyond just, can I call it generic? When we see relationships moving beyond generic, and by generic, a, a generic medicine is medicine that anyone with the right technology can, can 
produce. It isn't necessarily related to that specific company. And, and generic church would mean like not really specific to anything, not related to any specific group of people. And, and when you read the one another's, you can't help but be reminded Jesus has more in mind than generic church has a desire that we go deeper. That's why in Romans 12, the scripture says, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. That is, that is one another that goes below the surface. It doesn't just stay kind of on the top of things. I don't know how you're devoted to one another in brotherly love in a generic way. And Paul certainly wasn't. So he calls out name after name after name in Romans, in Colossians, in Philippians. Because he doesn't love in a kind of a generic group of people, feeling generic goodwill toward a generic group of people. There are names and there are faces. I don't think anyone craves generic church. So when your life blows up, You don't want someone to weep with you in a generic sort of way. When you need, when you're bearing this burden that feels like it is just so, so difficult to bear. It's not kind of, well, I just need the church at large to come bear the burden with me. It never feels like that. You want someone, you want someone moving beyond just kind of a a generic church, just kind of a hub of Christian-ish activities. You want something very personal. This is community. Who shows up when you need help moving? Like, who is it that helps when you need, when you need a meal because you just can't quite get it all together? Who is it that shows up when you're celebrating the, the big moments in life, the showers and the graduation parties? It isn't the generic church. It isn't the church at large. It's, it's real people with real names. Who do you call when you've, when you've blown it? Again, there's nobody generically on speed dial. It's people. It's people. And when I read the one another's again and again, it reminds me, this is who you call when you're on this wild ride with your kids. There's more downs than ups. Or when you get that report and you barely can even speak. And so you call and you get about six words into the sentence and that other person just listens and says, I'm coming right over. And this is what we want. As a human being deep down, I know we want this. As a Christian, I know there's something even, even greater than just wanting it. I know the Holy Spirit is inside of each of you who have trusted in Jesus Christ and it is pushing you to something beyond generic and it's pushing you toward people, the church really being the church. There's so many skeptics on like a the church didn't do this and the church is, misses the mark here. And, you know, most of those, I feel like I have to say guilty is charged. And we're not all that we want to be. But when we find something beyond generic church, the Holy Spirit's present and it's, it's moving us. I see that at Ogletown. see that in lots of places. I, I'd love to see it in more places where people care more than just in a generic way. When we experience community, 
That's what I'm talking about. That's what Jesus left us with one another, is relationships that move beyond generic. But, but there's something else. There's another dimension. As I kept reading one another after one another after one another, I recognized that these sorts of relationships actually turn into friendships, and they're friendships that are drenched with grace. See, that's community. Community is when we experience friendships that are drenched with grace. It's not just being surrounded by people that know us. Actually, the world's too hard, too complicated, too messy. And we're not always at our best. And because of that, we need grace. So when I read one another, so let, me, let me read a few for you. Philippians 2, 3. And humility, consider one another better than yourself. The humility to have a good assessment of others. 1 Peter 4, 9, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Open up your life and do so without getting frustrated by it all. James 5, 9, don't grumble against each other. 1 Peter 3, 8, live in harmony with each other. Ephesians 4 and, and Colossians 3, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Bearing with one another. I mean, the, the picture is just like hanging in there with someone. When it'd be so easy to say, check please, I'm out. You know, I mean, who wants to deal with that? Who wants to? You bear with another in love. Ephesians 4.32, be kind and compassionate to one another. Colossians 3, Ephesians 4, forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. It was around middle school, middle schoolers and high schoolers this week. It's just another reminder of how cruel school can be. The news from this week in our own area, in Wilmington, reminds us how difficult an environment it is. And it's somewhat overwhelming. It feels depressing. I, mean, I was thinking of the, the language that was being used, and I was thinking of the environment where just cutting someone down, cutting someone up, shredding someone, just, just kind of goes with the territory. And it's heartbreaking, isn't it? And may, may we never get comfortable that, well, that's just the way it is. I thought about how difficult it is for a, a student to ha- even have an accurate reflection of being made in God's image and being worth something to God. I mean, it's almost impossible that they get that message. And, and, it, and it seems so hard and seems so complicated. But then I began thinking, oh, we don't always really move out of that as we become adults, do we? I mean, this world is a very, very difficult place. And so when I say there's a community that kind of follows these one another's and these love one another's, it, it means we push into a world that is asking some, some very significant questions. And that is like, am I enough? And do I matter? And do others care? And what if I'm not at my best? What if I hurt others? What if I'm hurt? What if I'm grieving? What if it's not easy? And we're Christians. And we say, Jesus left us with a community for that. That community is meant to be drenched with grace. I began just jotting down what grace is. Grace is, is assuming the best. Grace is giving the second, the third, the fourth chances. Grace isn't ignoring, ignoring the problem, but it is moving toward people. Grace is affirming people for who God has made them to be. Someone has said it well, grace makes space. Grace means you take someone off the treadmill to earn your approval. So they don't have to play that. Grace welcomes. Grace is patient enough to see transformation. Grace doesn't just drop the hammer the first time someone does something. 
Grace means you become an advocate. Grace means that someone doesn't always have to feel like a relationship with you might be on the line in this conversation. That your goodwill for them may be revoked at any given moment if they just even say the the remotely wrong thing. You're done with it. Grace means you offer forgiveness first. Grace means you can take a deep breath at times. Grace means you can talk. You don't run, you talk for the goal of reconciliation. And I believe there's hundreds who call Ogletown home who want this. And what I know is all of us, all of us need it. If I, if I get any illusion that I'm above it, I was thinking through my day yesterday, which just wasn't one of my finest. A little moment of self-confession. I was a grouch for a good portion of yesterday. You just ask my wife, ask my three kids. We'll gladly confess it. It's just one of those days where it just was even, it's kind of fun to be in a bad mood at times. And then you, and then you get, then you just kind of look at like, what, what kind of mess have I made of this day? Got kids on pins and needles. So there we have dinner and we just say, you know what, I'm sorry for the way I've acted. You know what's, you know what's an amazing thing? It's how resilient kids can be, how quick forgiveness is granted. Record's clear. You know, you know what happened at the dinner table? Grace was at work. Grace made space for dad to even be a grump on a Saturday right before he preaches on Joe and Grace. We need it, don't we? We need it. We need it. We can't live without it. There's a world that is just hurting. And I don't know. We may have a thousand guests walk through that door in a year. I don't know how many will have. I wonder how many of them are just looking for a place that doesn't just bring the hammer down immediately, but assumes the best and loves deeply. Another part of this relationship, as I read through these one another's, is is this, we experience community as we see friendships that stir mutual growth. As we see friendships that are stirring mutual growth. Friendships that make us better. That's why Colossians 3 would say, teach and admonish one another. And 1 Thessalonians 4 would say, encourage each other. And 1 Thessalonians 5 would say, build each other up. And Hebrews 3 would say, encourage each other daily. And Hebrews 10 would say, spur each other on to love and good deeds. We want to change, but we don't always act like we want to change. And sometimes that progress is slow, and what we need is another person just stirring that mutual growth. It's not as if I don't need to grow and someone else does. It's as if we both need to, and we need to be stirred mutually. And praise God for when that happens. I I think back to my life, praise God for for Dave, who met me after a, a, a camp service and let me talk and stirred me on to grow in the Lord when I was 16 years old. And I think back to my friend in college, Ryan, and I can remember sitting in Pensacola, Florida, talking and praying with Ryan on a pretty regular basis as we were stirring each other up to walk with the Lord. Then I think about a friend that I've known probably since early high school that I'm, I'm still friends with and we still text and talk occasionally. And I think of all that Aaron has meant as he stirred me toward growth. But As much as I love college friends and high school friends, as much as I can think back into the recesses of my memory and go back to times and places where, like, growth was stirred, actually, I have something so much better than that. You know what I have better than that? I have a church family. 
And I live life in front of you, and you live life in front of me, and we all are pushing each other. And so as much as I like to remember the good old days in college, this week I had someone stir me and push me on toward growth. This week I had that kind of relationship. I wouldn't trade it for anything. In some ways I I get frustrated because I can only scratch the surface of one another's what that means. But I found two ideas that just really push this idea of community beyond the realm of ordinary human experience. And actually what makes the difference is when that community, when these friendships and these relationships form, what's amazing is not so much when everybody's kind of the same, but what is amazing, what's extraordinary, what's supernatural, what's a work of grace is when, when we're different. When we come together, when there's a, a group of friends and, and there's just no human explanation as to why this group would ever be together. Like, how did you guys meet? And eventually that conversation is going to wind its way back to Jesus. That's amazing. When it's not someone from your friend's set or your family, your age, your race, your marital status, your stage of life, your demographics, your natural choices. When, when someone is hanging out with someone in a completely different life stage and say, how did that happen? I'd love to tell you. It is a, it's an interesting story. And it starts with God. That's community. That's powerful. And what's powerful too is when that community doesn't just kind of close itself off, but when it it is just kind of always expanding, always welcoming. That's why I think there's these passages in Scripture that say, welcome one another, greet one another, because it's not as if this closed-off club that, well, we got like our eight people, and it's kind of working for us right now, and you just all stay away because we kind of like our community. I think, no, the community in Scripture always is welcoming people in, always having space for that. I wonder what Ogletown would look like. We just had a... If we're just full of relationships that form tightly and relationships that welcome others eagerly. Here's my, here's my big idea, my big hope for Ogletown. In some ways, it's so simple. But I look at everybody every week. You know what I've been praying this week? I've been praying that every person who calls Ogletown home I know, I know lots of people are passing through. But I pray that every person who calls Ogletown home would have at least five meaningful friendships, relationships like I described. I pray that you have at least five. Maybe you have 15 and that's wonderful. Maybe right now you have like one and that's good. But I'd love that there'd be five meaningful friendships within this body. Not so much as a good luck charm that we could you know, write down the five emergency contacts that we hopefully never need. Not that a pastor might be on speed dial if you ever had a problem, got jammed up in a certain way, you could call. Not, not that. Someone who is actually living life, walking life through you. Someone who's showing up, watching kids. Someone who sends you the random text that says, I care. Someone that remembers things that are important to you. Someone that does not leave you even when it gets hard. Someone that you spend the Friday nights and the Sunday afternoons. Someone where you're known and you're prayed for. I, I prayed that you would have at least five because I think that forms a net to where you don't just drift off. What if we saw every person in our congregation working on that? Not just kind of waiting like, here I am. I'll be a part of a five, but actually leaning into those sorts of relationships. What if we were crossing those boundaries? What if in the next week, like it made no sense for this person and this person to have a meal together, to share a life together, but it happened because of Jesus. When I talk about the one and others, 
I want to be very honest. A lot of those one another's aren't ever going to happen just coming in here at 10.59 and leaving a minute after the service is over. Like blue chairs and a gym doesn't mean one another's happen. As a matter of fact, it would be a little unsettling if we said, we're going to do a one another thing today. We're going to confess our sins one to another. And I'd like for so-and-so, you start us off, you know, with 400 of your closest friends here. I mean, there's some of those things that you just, that's not going to happen. But, but do the size dynamics of Ogletown mean it should never happen? It, not, not so. There should be avenues where this is happening. I recognize it just doesn't come easy for everybody, and that's for a variety of reasons. Sometimes we're introverted. Sometimes we've been burned by a church before. It's just kind of easier to kind of linger on the, on the shore a while and not really lean in. I know it's not automatic. It's not as if like, we're, today's going to be community day. So one, two, three, four, five. All the ones over here, all the, I mean, that's not the way it's going to work ever. It's not that mechanical. It's not that automatic. But despite all that I think it's not, I, I recognize it's worth me today putting a risk out, asking you to risk, asking you to lean into this and say, it's in your best interest. God has something for you. God has something for our congregation. What is your outlet for your full enjoyment and experience of community like the one and others we've described? So I think one of the people that think about this the most in our congregation is our associate pastor, Champ Thornton. I'm, I've asked him to come up and share kind of our effort to at least giving some frameworks where that's, that, those kinds of things can happen. Come up and share, Champ. So when we talk about experiencing community... If when I say that phrase, if the thought bubble above your head could be visible, I think we would have lots and lots and lots of different ideas about what experiencing community actually looks like because we all have different experiences in our past. We've all had maybe good, maybe not so good run-ins with church community. And, you know, that's, that's fine. That's understandable. That's the world we live in. That, you know, your experience might be, yeah, church community, uh, not fun not dependable, not comfortable, in fact, frankly, a little awkward. Or, on the other hand, it might be that community has been one of the highlights of your church experience, warm, caring, compassionate, close, faithful. So what we want to do is we don't want to assume that when we say experiencing community, everybody knows exactly what we're talking about. We want it to be really clear today, crystal clear about where and how you can find contexts for having and experiencing community. So whatever we're saying today, we're certainly not saying if you do A, B, and C, then turn the crank and out pops community. But what we can say is there are environments and contexts where if you engage with other believers, you can find community there. So there's no promise, there, but there are opportunities. And so let's talk through some of those today, this morning, quickly. First of all, Sunday Bible study. That's Ogletown lingo for Sunday school, all right? It's at 945 every week. It lasts for an hour. We have over 15 classes. If you'd like information about Sunday Bible study, this is a Sunday Bible study info sheet. They're available at the back. They'll be on the round table in the back. They're at the magazine rack in all the buildings. 
What's nice about this is it gives you a quick rundown of what classes are there, who's teaching them. There's a lovely map on the back that you can find your way around both buildings. And then inside, this is where all the good stuff is. This tells you who's teaching, what they're teaching, and where you can find them. And maybe some of the unique things of the class. At any given Sunday, you'll walk into a class and you might find a class of four or over 40 men and women from all backgrounds, all ages. There might be a singles class, a class for ladies, a class for men, a class for married couples, a class that's just open to all. You have lots of variety and options during the 945 hour. So um, right now we've got a class on Revelation, the book of Revelation, the Bible book of Psalms, a class on marriage. And if I kept going, we could be here for quite a while. So I'm not going to do that. And I wish I could just introduce every single Sunday Bible study teacher to you, but I'm going to do this. I'm going to put you guys on the spot. If, you're te- if you teach currently a Sunday Bible study class, would you stand? All right. Look well. See? No horns, no teeth, no claws. Everybody's perfectly normal. Well, most of them, yes. You can be seated. And they would love to get to know you. Those classes, when you walk into a class, it's a welcoming environment. And what I would encourage you to do, take a look at the Sunday Bible info sheet, make a decision, visit a class, visit for a couple weeks, and kind of put your toe in the water. See if it's a good fit for you. And if it's not, it's fine. Check out other classes. And then look for a place where you feel like you can fit and thrive. Uh, Because the teachers are not just welcoming, they're going to be open-handed as well. They're going to say, we are glad you're here. If the Lord leads you here, we're glad you're here. And if you feel like this isn't the place for you, then we'll try to help you find one that will be a better fit for you. So that's Sunday Bible study. There are other Bible studies around here too. We have a Bible study on Wednesday nights. It's at 6.30. Every week of the year, practically. Then we have uh, other studies going on during the week. There's a study right now on, I believe, Thursday mornings uh, where we're, it's going through the book of Romans. It'll go about halfway through, and then it'll pick up again in the fall. There are women's studies. Typically, it's on Tuesdays. Sometimes it's in the morning. Sometimes it's in the evening. There's several of them going on. Options for you to choose from. There are men's Bible studies periodically as well. There's one, a men's study that meets every Thursday at 7 o'clock in the morning. And then we're going to have a special men's Sunday Bible study uh, beginning in May for about four or five weeks, especially for those who are not currently in a Sunday Bible study. So there's lots of options there. So we also have small groups. Now, there's probably half a dozen small groups that currently exist at Ogletown. And what's unique is that most of them were not started officially by Ogletown. They just are natural, organic expressions of community life that has risen up in this church and beyond. And so these are times and places where men and women meet in homes for food and discussion, discuss, just hanging out, talking about God's word, praying for one another, being involved in each other's lives. So we hope, if the Lord leads, to start more small groups, and this discussion today is another step down that path. Now, beyond this, you can be involved in community and experience community really wherever you are. So if you're on the chair crew, if you are actively engaging and you are letting yourself be known and prayed for, then you can find community in lots of places around here. There's lots of opportunities for you. But the point is, I want you to walk away with is, in this room, hundreds of you are already experiencing that community. 
you've decided to take the risk and go beyond just sitting in this room and go into a smaller community and let yourself be known and let yourself be prayed for. You've taken that risk and you have, if we had the time, you could stand today and say, these are the blessings and the benefits that have come to me and my family and my friends because of being in community together. Hundreds of you could say that. And we are thankful for that. You've said no to good things so you could say yes to this essential thing for this mutual spiritual benefit. So in your worship guide today, everyone received an Experience Community card. Can you take that out right now? Just grab it. Take it out. If you didn't get one, you can raise your hand. Get some. We have a few over to the right, Jeff, in the middle as well. Good. So this card, we already know some, uh, like if you go to a Sunday Bible study, your name is on one of our class rolls. We know who you are, but we would like everyone to fill one of these out. You might say, I'm a Sunday Bible study teacher. Great, we know that. We want you to fill one of these out too. So if everybody could fill one of these out, this gives us an at-a-glance snapshot of where we are here. If this is your first Sunday here, we hope you'll fill one of these out. We'd like everyone to fill one of these out. And basically, we're asking two questions. We'd like to find out... Where are you perhaps already involved in a Sunday Bible study, another kind of Bible study, a small group, or where are you interested in being involved? Now this doesn't, you're not signing up for anything, you're not writing this in blood, no one's making a promise. What you are doing is saying, hey, I'm interested in learning more. And really that's what we're going to do with this information is we're going to be in contact with you to say, oh, hey, there's a new class being started up or a new small group or a new Bible study. We want to be able to keep you in the loop about opportunities and contexts where you can experience community. So what we're going to do is just stop for a minute, pause, let you fill that out just for a moment, and then we're going to collect those. So more than getting a card from you, uh, we want you to meet people, right? It's about experiencing community, right? Not experiencing community cards. So there are men and women in the back and in the lobby who are wearing these blue name tag things. And they are here not to recruit you, but they're here to answer any questions you might have. We have Sunday Bible study teachers, we have Sunday Bible study students, small group leaders, small group participants, and others there to help answer any questions you might have. You might say, where do I get one of those cards? I didn't get one. Or where did I get one of these info sheets? Where can I find that? Well, they're in the back. And don't be offended if they actually maybe take a step toward you and put out the hand and say, hi, I don't know you. That's okay. That's actually the first step toward community. So if you're not experiencing community here yet, then let me encourage you. Check out one of the Sunday Bible study info sheets. It's not the answer. It's not the only place to start, but it is a place to start. There's the Explore Ogletown class next week. It's a great place to get to know people over lunch and learn a little bit more about the church family here. If you're not experiencing community yet, talk to someone who's wearing one of these blue name tags. Ask them, what do you teach? Who are you? How can I get more involved here or go online. There's a landing page on our website. It's ogletown.org slash community. Easy to remember. If you go there, all the information I've shared and more is available there. Now, if you're already experiencing community, if you're in a small group, if you're in a Sunday Bible study, 
I have a challenge for you. You're not off the hook. Here's the challenge. Would you pray? Knowing all the blessings you've received from being in community, would you pray that God would lead you to at least one other person that you can invite into a class or a study that you belong to? So I pray that you will ask the Lord to lead someone to you and you to them and that you'd be willing to take the risk to move from just conversation to invitation and say, I've experienced great good in my relationships of community here. Would you join us? I'd love to invite you and introduce you to some other people. Would you do that? Experiencing community, we all need it. Opportunities are here. I pray the Lord would lead you in days ahead. Thank you.